Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast is sponsored by S. Preston Designs. S. Preston is world famous for its minimalist design of baseball mascots, college, and major league stadiums. S. Preston Designs have been featured at the Hall of Fame and at ballparks around the country. This week, we're giving away an S. Preston's Design MLB Stadium poster. To enter to win, all you have to do is head over to BaseballAmerica.com slash Stadium Contest, select your favorite stadium design, and submit. It's that easy. Again, to enter to win at BaseballAmerica.com slash Stadium Contest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast here from our beautiful studios here in Durham, North Carolina. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside J.J. Cooper. We're here to talk about the Braves system. And J.J., when you released the Braves' top 10, it was pre-punishment. Kevin Maiton was still in the system, ranked number 9. We are now post-punishment. wanted to just get your general sense of, of thought on just how much of a, of a talent drain was it the Braves lost and how much does it affect you know the top 30 and their organizational talent ranking and just the big picture of where they stand in the baseball prospect uh, power ranking, if you will. Well, it hurts. I mean, there's no doubt that this punishment, this punishment is painful if you are the Braves. I mean, there's a variety of reasons it's painful. You lose Kevin Maiton. You lose probably when it's all said and done, I think I've had five of the prospects. They lost 12 prospects, had a 13th prospect. Uh, the contract voided before it ever became official. So five of those would have probably cracked the top 30 or four, maybe a fifth. I mean, right around that range. And then, so obviously that's significant depth. Then you talk about the, the international penalties that they're facing, and the reality is, is that... That will affect them down the road, there's that, no question. You, you have that. And then you have they're going to lose a third-round draft pick, you have that. Um, but the reality of it is, is they lose a top-ten prospect. Kevin Maiten was ninth on the list. And to be completely honest, that was ninth. There's a little bit of inertia involved in that. Like if you just based it off the reports that you had for 2017, he would not have ranked ninth. But at the same time, he was considered absolutely positively one of the top international prospects to come out, not just in the 2016 class, but to have come out in years, and you don't throw that away. And so you put that all together, and Maiton is definitely a loss. Uh, but they also lost Soto. They lost Del Rosario. They lost, We could keep going. They lost a number of really high-ceiling uh, lower-level prospects who are still years away but who would have easily fit into a top 30. And you put all that together. Now, I do feel like that a lot of the effects of this are going to be more long-term than immediate because you still put them as a, an elite farm system because the top of this list still led by a guy who has a case to be the number one prospect in baseball. Right, right. And that's where I think it's interesting. Uh, just the reaction for a lot of Braves fans seem to be, oh, my God, the sky is falling. In reality, this is a loaded system. All these guys were guys who were five years away, six years away, in some cases seven years away. While obviously it always hurts to lose talent, by no means does this somehow drop the Braves, you know, you know multiple spots down the rankings. This is still a team you look at 
the top eight prospects. And as you said, you know, Mike Tan, if it was just on the reports would not have, from this year, would not have been he was top not, ten. He was probably not going to be a top hundred guy. I'll put it that way. So I, it's one of those things where yes, it hurts. I think we'll see the effects of it more in the future. But in terms of right now, considering what the Braves have built, this is still an elite system, and uh, and one that the reality of it is is you got not, it's not just Acuna, it's Luis Gohara who is the hardest throwing lefty starter in baseball. Period. It's, it's Max Fried back from the dead. Right. It's Max Fried who <laughs> back from the dead part version three at this point. You know, you you have it's Kyle Wright who was one of the best. You know, had a decent, a very Ian, solid case of being all these guys. the number one yeah. you know prospect in the draft. I mean, he was in that consideration. So you're talking about him. And then you go beyond the top 10. Now, one moves in here. And I'm not even sure. Like, I'm finishing up the 30. Right now, it's probably it's Joey Wentz, or it's Bryce Wilson, or it's Alex Jackson, or it's Tucker Davidson. So I was, I was going to put you on the spot. You know, Pache becomes 9. Who, who is number 10? If, I, if You have to decide right this minute. Probably Alex Jackson. Um, okay. Spe- speaking of prospects... Uh, Back from the dead. Yeah. The, the, the thing that the Braves did right there is, it's funny, the weaknesses of Alex Jackson are the same weaknesses he had when he was a Mariner. The strengths of Alex Jackson are the same, but the very, very, very big difference is you take the same guy, you take a guy who's, if you think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a below average hit tool with above average plus power. You take that guy and you say he's a below-average defensive right fielder, he's probably not a regular big leaguer. That's just simple, simple reality of it. Doesn't run all that well. He's not great defensively. Just not all that interesting. You take that same guy, you put him behind the plate where his strength is actually more important than his range He's always had the arm. He was considered one the of the arm, best arms in the Mariners' system. The arm has never been a problem. You can find scouts who say... Yeah, he's probably a 35-40 right now defensively, but I think he can get to a 45 or 50. And they say, if he's a 50 defensively, he's going to play as a regular in the big leagues for a long time because a 235-240 hitting catcher with 15 to 20 homers who's average defensively a strong arm, that guy plays for years. And that's just the difference between the two positions. With the Mariners, he was a right fielder. With the Braves, he's a catcher. As a catcher, now he still has a ways to go defensively, but as a catcher, all of a sudden that makes him back into a potential regular. Yeah, the profile matters. I, I want to work back up the list a little mm-hmm. bit. I think we've spoken enough about Roland Acuna. We know yes. how good he is. He's really good. You know, I, I kind of wanted to move into that that tier of pitching prospects. Um, we, we talked a little bit about Luis Gohara, why he's number two. Take me through the Kyle Wright versus Ian Anderson. You know, where, where, once you start getting into that glut of right-handers who are in the low minors but have some promise, uh, what was sort of the thought process there? Okay, so we, we start with we got Gohara's the top pitching prospect, and that's because, I mean, the body's not good. The body's bad. The body's bad. There's just no other way to say it. But you are talking about premium stuff. He's got a fastball-slider combination that could be exceptional. Mike Soroka's three, and Soroka is the antithesis to me in some ways of Gohara. The body's good. He dominated double A as a 19-year-old. He's got exceptional feel to pitch. He's got all those attributes, and then good stuff, very good stuff. Not, I mean, it's not average stuff. It's, a, it's above average. It's not, but it's not that blow-you-away stuff. But what he has is, is he's the floor guy. 
it's really hard to envision a scenario where Mike Soroka, who B- has... Barring injury. Barring injury, which is true of other pitcher, but barring injury, it's hard to envision him not having big league success as a starting pitcher because of the attributes he has shown. And again, age is not as important for pitchers as it is for hitters, but 19-year-olds who could do what he did in double-A, he's, again, he's, he may be a four, but he could be a, you know, a very solid number four starter for a long time. And then you say, like you said, you get past that, and you, then you get to the, hey, you want some risk, but you, it's really good risk, which is Kyle Wright was, if you, when you were talking about who's the best pitching prospect in the college pitching prospect in the 2017 draft class, you could very well, they, when the season started, you could say, I'm saying Kyle Wright, and you had a pretty good case to make. When it was all said and done, you could say, I say Kyle Wright, and you could be right again. I mean, again, well, he wasn't, he did not separate himself. Right, it wasn't level. slam dunk, no one else is in the conversation. It wasn't like but, you're saying but there's an argument, clearly but, worse than him. But there was an, an argument start Alex, to finish. You know, you know, Fado at the start of the year, I know he went later in the rank, but Fado was in that consideration. There was a number of guys in that consideration. But you are talking about plus stuff. And you're talking about a guy who could move very quickly. He could be, you know, the thing that's fascinating with this is, and again, we have an entirely new front office who has to acclimate themselves to these guys because we're talking about Alex Anthopoulos and Andrew Tennish and guys who, who have zero background right. with these guys. It's but, a whole real, reevaluation I mean, process. A whole reevaluation process. But you are talking about a, a 20, you could see in 2018, it is not inconceivable. Luis Gohara in the rotation, he finished it last year. Lucas Sims is in that discussion, who's a top, you know, who just graduated. From Sean Newcomb will Sean be in that Newcomb rotation. Sean Newcomb should be in that rotation. And then you say, okay, Mike Soroka and Colby Allard both had a full year in AA. I don't think they're going to be there on day one. No, but come up to Gwinnett, and if they do what they should do, if injuries strike, there's absolutely a, a scenario, no question. And then you also have to figure out the Mike fulton you know, and all, and all that. Oh, by the way, Julio Tehran's still there. Julio Tehran's still there. I mean, I, I think then, it would take injuries for it to happen. We, and but. Max Freed. Max Freed finished the year in the rotation as well. So they have a ton of guys to sort through. But if you say, why is it Soroka, Wright, Anderson, somewhat that is like, okay. The, the 19-year-old who dominated in double The 19-year-old who's done it in double heavy. A. That's heavy. That's, that's the heavy next is the first-round pick who's done it up to high A, briefly, but done it high A and has SEC background. And the next guy is the guy who did it in low A, but did it understandably on a, uh, a shorter amount of innings because Ian Anderson's coming out of a cold-weather state. They put the brakes on. But when you saw Ian Anderson at his best, you saw a guy who's, I mean, Ian Anderson's stuff at his best is pure stuff is better than Mike Soroka's. But Mike Soroka has done it in double A at basically almost the same age as Ian Anderson. So it's going to be really interesting to see because all the old adages about, you know, you need 10 to get Mm -hmm. two to the big leagues. The odds are, as good as all these guys are, not every single one of them is going to be Big league right. rotation they've got members. 10. There's going right. They've got ten. It's going to be interesting to see who are the two or three that emerge because there will be injuries. Someone's development will go sideways. The funny thing is, is they do say that adage, and I will say, and this is not saying they're going to do this in any way, but if you go back to the Braves, the 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 glory days of Braves, because you have that late '80s pitching staff, and that late '80s pitching staff, you had again. This is my youth, so I you know I I was reading Baseball America at the time. But you had 
Kent Merker, Pete Smith, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Derek Lilliquist. Those were the guys. Now, you could work in another. I can find you a uh, Tommy Green or someone. But, okay, I would say on that that you could argue they had like seven or eight, and they produced three or four. And if that's the, you know, right. that, that's the thing is, is it depends on, that's the adage. But really what, and that's where I'm at, I am fascinated that they hired and Alex Anthopoulos because on one hand, you could say for Anthopoulos, now, again, because we're talking about drafting, but I can't think of a team that did a better job of drafting high school pitchers than the, or, or pitchers. Aaron Sanchez and Noah Syndergaard, anybody? You know, supplemental first round picks. You know, they, hey, they took Marcus Stroman, again, you say a college guy, they took Marcus Stroman and... That was not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination because five foot nine, you know, first round college right handers, you know, that's that's a pretty small subset of guys. But Strowman has, you know, lived up to it. Now you can also say they traded some of these guys away and they didn't but but my point being this, Joe Musgrove was a draft. Joe Musgrove, and, supplemental first round pick again. And Asher uh, Wojciechowski, they're able to move yeah. from trades. I mean, they they had a number. There's a story up at baseballamerica.com. We talked about this, but the thing about it is is so the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that the Braves have to do, the new Braves regime has to do over the next year to me, is they have to figure out which of these are our starters, which of these are relievers, and which of these are the guys that we're going to use in trade. And because they, they don't... Make the proper identifications. And that's one thing for me I always... I think sometimes gets lost... A lot of times new organizations or new regimes come in, and the first thing they do is they examine everything that's in-house under them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen just over the course of there's a lot of times there's a misidentification there just because you don't have the background on these guys. It's a quick hit look a lot of times where you have an old Mm -hmm. scouting report. And that's where I think sometimes these new regimes can either set themselves back from day one by misidentifying who's the guy we can afford to trade, who's the guy we need to make sure and hang on to. I we've mentioned this is a really good track record, so you hope that they'll make the right calls. You want to flip that? You could make the same argument. Like we talk about, Luis Gohara is number two on this list, right? And it's, if they I do, do and if they do it right, they can move their timetable right. up. What I was going to say is, is, but Luis Gohara, you look at that trade in, in hindsight, and you're like, no, that that there was a case where that was potentially a misidentification by the marriage. We'll see long term, but you, I don't know. I don't know about a hindsight because at the minute that moment, the moment that trade was made, I was like, what are they doing? Right. So I think there's <laughs> there's a little bit. But of, what I'm saying is, is, but you were talking about a relatively new regime who right. may have not had a full he, understanding. He wasn't their guy. They had signed. It had been yeah. Right. So, sure. but I do think that what you are talking about is is okay. The funny thing is, is for a team that is rebuilding, you look on the position player side, and you kind of know what this team. Now they got to clear some guys, but there are very few. Your catcher. There for the for the if, at least the short term, Alex Jackson could change this down the road. Cape Civic could be a backup. They got some other guys in lower levels. Uh, you know, uh, Castillo is is very interesting long term. But you look at it and say they're catchers. They brought back basically Flowers and Suzuki. First base is Freddie Freeman. Second base is Ozzy Albies. Up the middle, there shortstop Stansby Swanson. Center field, center field's Ender and Ciarte. Right field is Ronald Acuna's. As soon as they can figure out. Some way to just make the opening, but he's better. He is absolutely right now, at this moment, if you put Ronald Acuna out there on opening day, he is better than Matt Kemp. He's better than Nick Marquez. Better. 
better defensively. And you like I'm not over the course of the season. I'm not saying in, well, some of those guys, Barkikas' April, I think was pretty brutal last year too. But but the course of the season, I feel very comfortable you are gonna get more from Ronald Acuna in 2018 than you will from either of those guys. Do you disagree? To a point, um, Matt Kemp can still bring the thump, not over the course of a full season, but we'll see. I mean, he's still, his season he's numbers at the end. He's such a defensive liability. He's such a defensive liability. There's no question. I think the total, if you were to separate it out, if you just told me, forget everything offensively, who will have the better year? I still think Matt Kemp will have a better year offensively than Ronald Cunha as rookie year. But if you take see, into account, see, I do think that. But you take into the account that the total that you're talking about the, to- a, the total everything a center fielder playing right field versus a DH playing left. I mean, as much as I love Ronald Acuna, you know, could he as a in his rookie year, offense only, 276, 19 homers, 64 ribs in 115 games. I think that's I, I, mean, I think that's an upper level, but I think it's within his range. And the thing about it is, is that again, Matt Kemp is a DH playing left field. Oh, I got you, to, that, for, that, for, the key part about this is, is I'm not talking about just purely offense. Right, it's the defense. That's what I'm saying. You, you're the way you're, you're going to have out. if you do that. For one thing, you've got a young pitching staff. Young pitching staff. You put NCRT in center, Acuna in right, all of a sudden your pitching staff gets better right there. Well, and that's where, and that's where I, what, I, what I've said when we had this discussion during the player of the year is that the Braves are a better team with Ender and Ciarte in center and Ronald Acuna in right than any other combination, whether you want to go Acuna in center and Kemp in right or Enciarte in no, right. You have, if you have those two guys, that, that's, and by the way, that's your the best. long term – the long term, now Christian Pache is a couple of years away, but if Pache gets there, and at that point you have Pache, Acuna, Inciarte, and let's let Inciarte have slowed down a little bit by then, he's the left fielder. Whew, that's as good a defensive outfield because Pache's better. You know, Pache has a chance to be the best of that group defensively, and he that's hard to do. You know, one thing you talk about kind of holes on the Braves' side. We've talked a lot about, hey, they're good at first base. They're good at second and short. We'll see how Swanson bounces back here, too. Third base is the spot on the infield. You have question marks. Mm-hmm. Austin Riley did some really good things this year. And when we last spoke, it was after the season. He went to the Fall League, had a very good Fall League. And actually, just doing some final Fall League checkups, uh, mm-hmm. spoke to a scout today, as a matter of fact, and asked about Riley. And it was interesting. He talked. People have talked about, in the past, one of the knocks has been, I don't know about the bat speed. I don't know about the bat speed. And, and at least what he showed in the fall league talking to a couple of evaluators was, look, this is not a guy who's ever going to have crazy jaw-dopping bat yeah. speed. But his hands, his strength, his timing, his ability to get the bat to the ball. And I, I don't want to use the names the scout gave me because I don't want to yeah. out anybody. But he listed off a number of longtime successful big leaders who you could say it was average bat speed, but you take into account strength, timing, Ability to manipulate the barrel, know what the pitcher's trying to do with you, and some of the names he were dro- he was dropping were multiple time All Stars, borderline Hall. No, 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 no. I mean, it's something where I think, look, if you have crazy gnarly bat speed, awesome. But average bat speed, still wait, wait, wait. major way, league average crazy bat speed. Gnarly bat speed by itself made yeah. Lasting's Millage into a great player in Japan, and that's exactly that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, you it's, also and I, you pitch have recognition, to, all that goes in so, there too. And that's where, so for me, I think with Austin Riley, the fact that he's shown all these things, uh, this Austin is a guy Riley, you can comfortably pencil in as your starting third baseman. You know, not, not next year, but long term. And that's the interesting thing with that is, is that I, you know, do they go through next year 
with Johan Camargo and Rio Ruiz in a placeholder role, or do you say, we're going to find somebody and eventually we may end up moving that person down the road, or we may work out a timeshare or whatever as we break Riley in. But you're right. I mean, the only two positions, the point what I was making is, is long-term catcher, but they got a guy who could be that guy in 2019, third base. But again, they have a guy who could be that guy in 2019, maybe second half of 2018. He did have a good bit of time in double A. And then it's left field. That's it. That is, and I mean, that the thing that is fascinating about this is, is usually when you talk about a rebuilding team like this, there are a lot more decisions that have to be made. But this is a case where the decisions to be made are almost somewhat preordained for you in a lot of ways, unless you want to get really creative and say, we can do better at shortstop and we're going to trade Dansby Swanson, or we, we can do better at catcher, or we're going to do a package deal. And, you know, there are things they could do differently, but it wouldn't be shocking. I mean, this team, Alex Anthopoulos inherits a rebuilding team, but almost everything that they're doing, that their decisions to be made are to be made, are almost all on the pitching side. And it's and it's good pitching. That's not like oh gosh, we have this guy who's a seventh starter who and a sixth starter, and we have to find, and we don't have anything else, so they're gonna well, have to pitch a full season for us. The, the flip, the difference. Last year they went out and they acquired R.A. Dickey, Jaime Garcia, Bartolo, and Bartolo Colon, Colon, and they went basically that that did not work out all that well. They got a little bit something back for Jaime Garcia. That was basically it. This year, you really look at it and say it's illogical. Unless they, unless they acquire a legit front-of-the-rotation guy, it's illogical for them to go out and acquire and that, and a starting where, pitcher. And that's where the time of development is key. Now Sean Newcomb's no longer a prospect who's waiting to break in. He's a big leaguer. We see you know, Lucas Sims to a degree. Okay, we know he's, got, he's you know, big And I think Lucas Sims long-term ends up in the pen. The pen but, I think Mike Fultonawitz might end up in the pen. But, but these guys are on the but major you, league you roster. But you kind of start them out in the rotation, and then they get their last chance as starters. And if it doesn't work, mid-season when yeah. Mike Soroka's ready, you go, hey, Mike, we're going to have a bullpen now that's Mike, you know, Fultonawitz, Sims, what? A.J. Minter. Those, you know, you could all of a sudden turn around and have – Basically, the hundred. I, th- I think we'll see Gohara and Frida before you see. Go- I mean, no, no. I see. I see Gohara in the opening day rotation. And then I. Freed, both of those guys were in the end of year rotation, right. so I expect. But my point is, is that if you're saying Tehran, Tehran Newcomb, who I think are both like locks. And I would argue Fultonewitz is going to be in the starting rotation on opening day. I do too, but I don't think I. I, can, I would not be as comfortable saying he's going to end the season rotation. You know, and by, he, he and had way, he had some big ups and downs last year, and that was I remember writing about I mean, the little bit three up three down. I'm, when he was with the Astros, like I remember when, the, when he was in the Midwest League, and you would talk to guys who were like, "Eh, long term, I do think there's a pretty good chance he ends up in the pen." I, that's probably you know one of the reasons I say this. I mean, for a long time, there's been always that thought of he might be really good as a reliever, and I do think because again, Kyle Wright, Kyle Wright finished the year in high A. I expect he'll start this year in high A. But your SEC front of the rotation Friday starters are not guys who often need a long period of time in the minors. It would not shock me if Kyle Wright came out, made it to double A. Now, again, old regime, I would say that he'd start the year in double A. Things change now, you know, because they have a new, new leadership. But it wouldn't shock me to see him in double A by May. And then, let's be honest, if he's blowing away double A, 
it wouldn't be shock me to see him in August or September up in the big leagues, depending on where the team is, because again, you don't have to go far that far back, but you look at you can look at a number of starters who come out of the SEC, come out of the ACC, and they can, those guys can move fast because there it's not. Going from Vandy to the big leagues is not as far of a jump as going from a high school to the big leagues, obviously. Well, obviously. No, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see. Again, I think it's important to note that not all of these guys are going to oh, work no. as everyone hopes. And, and, and we're talking about best-case scenarios in a lot of ways. But the depth that they've built at both the upper levels and lower levels, I think, puts them in excellent position to survive Well, so, whoever gets hurt, whoever's development goes sideways. Absolutely. Because, again, we're, when you go beyond the 10, then we're getting into... Bryce Wilson, Tucker Davidson, Joey Wentz, who's now may move in. Bryce Wilson. Bry, uh, uh, Kyle Muller, um, you know, Tuki Toussaint, Patrick Weigel, who will be back in 19 after TJ. You've got all those guys. Now, what's going to happen? Absolutely. Someone, some two, some three of the guys that we just talked about. Luis Gohara, you know, basically it doesn't work out for him because he gets too big or he has, you know, durability issues or whatever. Or... Kyle Wright moves a lot slower. Like he comes in his first full year and the adjustment to five-day rotation is bigger for him than expected. And he's a little wild. Whatever. All these guys, there's always things that can be off-ramps. Mike Soroka's stuff is good. It's not great. Like maybe it doesn't play as well as he goes up against big league hitters. Joey Wentz is a guy, you know, I mean, he's a he is not on that crafty level, but he's not on the blow-you-away side either. Kyle Muller's fastball is even a little bit less than that. All these guys have ifs. But... As much as one of the one, two, three of those guys, the top ten, could slip, the other thing that could happen is is Ricardo Sanchez next year goes from a guy who former Angels prospect goes from a guy I've written him up feel like forever, but uh, but Ricardo Sanchez could be a guy who goes from a very inconsistent but three plus pitches at his best to a guy who does that more consistently, yeah. you know, and or Tuki Toussaint next year is the year it all clicks and all of a sudden. The fastball and curveball play like you would expect them to play. And, you know, there's all these things that can happen. And, again, that you know, Freddie Tarnock or, you know, there's – they guys. have so many guys that, again, it is the benefit of having numbers is that they are going to have some attrition, absolutely, but they have the numbers to survive that attrition. You know, one of the guys I want to talk about is mm-hmm. Tucker Davidson because I feel like – a lot of people get very, very excited over the rookie ball, the low-way guy. And they rightfully so with some draft pedigree of Joey Wenz and Bryce Wilson. But Davidson's a lefty in double-A and seems like... I, no, he, he was A-ball most of All right. Well, yeah, but he was a guy that seemed like talking to various evaluators out there. I know we had a couple conversations where they liked him as much, if not more, than a lot of the other big find, names. You can absolutely find guys who say... Okay, Gohara's in a different group because he's a different, you know, free Gohara freed, and then next best the lefties. I mean, you can absolutely over even Colby Allard. Yeah, you can definitely find that because again, Colby Allard again. If you like Colby Allard, you love his feel. You love kind of the ability to mix pitches, locate, command, but Colby Allard does not have the ability. It's it's a two two pitch. I'm going to rear back. I'm going to throw a fastball down the middle and just blow him away. He can't do that. That's not him. He's going to stay on the edges. Hey, you know, there are guys who've done that to, you know, 300 wins or more. I mean, but he is a avoid the big part of the plate kind of guy. Davidson is a guy who can rear back if he gets behind in a, in a count. 
and say, I don't think you can hit this. And he can do that. Now, there are guys who think he's a reliever. The delivery is not as smooth. It's not as athletic as some of these other guys. But that is a very good pick. You know, Bryce Wilson, you could kind of say some of the same things for, you know, doing it from, you know, right? But there, those are some very good picks of guys who, yeah, they don't have that first-round pedigree. But stuff-wise, they have – there's nothing that they need to complain about that they're trying to catch up. So I think the main question that Braves fans are dying to know in light of all the sanctions, uh, sanctions mm-hmm. is the wrong word, all the penalties. Yeah, sanctions, penalties, <laughs> lifetime bans. Do you think this is still the number one system in baseball or has the talent that was stripped out of it moved the White Sox above them? Funny thing is, is I do think that you talk about the top tier. I, I don't see those two teams in a different strata. I think that they are probably the top two. And it really does depend on, you know, the Braves system is much deeper to me than the White Sox system. The guys who are 11 through 20 on the Braves system are significantly better to me than the guys still. Even after these five, they lose five guys from the top 30. The guys who are 21 to 30 in the Braves system to me are much better than the White Sox guys who are 21 to 30. That said, I would probably take the White Sox top 10 over the Braves top 10. And when you get to that, I mean, I, it that gets tough. I would pro, I mean, I don't want to give a full answer because we're going to do this, you know, but I would say, I would say I could see the case for the White Sox, but at the same time, you know, we've talked about this. I'm very high on this Padres system. I don't think that they, I don't think that they're at that level yet, uh, you know, because as much as I like Fernando Tatis Jr. and I do, you know, he's not Ronald Acuna, he's not Eloy Jimenez. Correct. Um, but I also, the system that is in that discussion, because they can, I think they may have more pitching depth than the Braves, is the Yankees. Now, again, they've got the guy, they do have a guy at the top, Glaber Torres. You can put Glaber Torres in that Ronald Acuna, Eloy Jimenez discussion. I personally don't, but I know there are people who do. I, you know, you... Where would you have him when you say that? Like no, five, to, to six? Me, right, right. To, to me, He's a top to, five, six prospect. Yes, to me, like Acuna and Eloy, there is a clear differential between them and Glaber, but I do see Glaber. Right. He's not far. It's, it's, it's a three-spot difference, not a ten-spot right. difference. You're talking about those. Well, really, my point is, is you're talking about three of the top seven, eight prospects in the game. And I would also have Eloy and Acuna above Glaber. Like Tatis is closer to Torres than he is... Acuna and Eloy at this point in time. Now, eventually that could change, but at but, this point in time. But so, I, to me, like, they're okay. They're on that discussion. And then with the Yankees, really what it comes down to, I mean, Florial's a riskier prospect. He's further away, but he's very toolsy. He's where Acuna was in many ways last year, you know, but he could. Different he, reasons, but I guess. Yes, I, different I, I, reasons. In general, Acuna was, had, he had 40 games in, the, in low A. Florial had a better season. He strikes out a lot more. There's, you know, different risks and all there. But the thing that the Yankees have and where I think they work into that discussion of top farm systems is, is that they're pitching the guys who are the 15th best prospect in that Yankees system. You could take them and say, I'm going to make an argument for them to be top 10 in another system. And you go, oh, yeah, easy. You know, no that's, that's the thing they have is, is like you go through and it's like, okay, 
Okay, Alexa, give me all of the Yankees prospects who throw a uh, hundred miles an hour. Oh wait, well, I have me, my it's not thing even... in Alexa actually is going to answer that. Um, but uh, not even about throwing a hundred, but has has some velocity, has life has on a their second pitches, pitch. has a second pitch. I mean, it's more than just oh they throw a hundred because you've got to be able to do all of it. And the Yankees right, but, have a really good group of guys. I, but as who, I've always said, give me the guys who throw a hundred. You can have every guy who throws ninety, and I'll win. But give, but I'll say, give me the guys who throw ninety four with control oh, and secondary, and and I'll give you the guys with a hundred and not the others, and I'll win. Right, but yes, but what I'm saying is, is given it all the same, I'm going to take the guys with velo over the guys who don't because again, this is a fun discussion for another day. But it is something on Twitter. I know people want, they desire that eighty eight with great command. Can really succeed. See, maybe I think it's a little bit confirmation bias because I see the others. I see the number people. Oh my gosh, he throws a hundred. It's like, well, yeah, but can you do anything else? So, I see. I, I, I see the other side of it, but again, might just be confirmation yeah. bias. Regardless, I think that'll wrap it up for our Braves talk. Oh, yeah. This is a great system. Uh, regardless of again, what is this? Do you like the pitchability or the velo? The Braves will give you both. Yeah, I mean that is <laughs> the thing is is that they have a when it comes to pitchers, do you need? You know, high octane with a second pitch, okay, I give you Kyle Wright, I give you Luis Gohara, I give you Tuki Toussaint, you know, the guys like that. Do you, do you prefer, like you're saying, do you want the guys who are 92 to 94 but can really locate? Mike Soroka, Joey Wentz, Colby Allard, those guys. Do you want guys who are projection and it's a little further away? Okay, Kyle Muller, guys like that. Whatever kind of pitcher, do you want hard-throwing relievers? A.J. Minter and Corbin Klaus and uh, Phil Pfeiffer and, you know, it, what, whatever you, Evan Phillips, whatever you need pitching-wise. If you're coming to shop for pitching and you need a trade, shop at the, the Bank of the Braves because they can give you whatever you need. Absolutely. All right, well, I think that'll wrap it up here. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Till next time. Don't forget your chance to win a stadium poster of your favorite team from S. Preston Designs. Again, enter to win at BaseballAmerica.com slash stadium contest. Thank you to our followers for tuning in today.